Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We're a bit like Owen Farrell this week in that we've got no rap for you. But since when did that ever stop us from harping on rugby? My name is Jeff Pagano, and welcome to Harping on Rugby, where with the help of some fellow fans, I get a chance to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland, and the wider rugby world. Now, with no warm-up game for Ireland this weekend, I've assembled a quality panel from all around the provinces to give an overview on how our squad is shaping up, and also to have a quick look at some of the other nations. So let's crack on with introducing our guests, shall we? First up, representing Ulster is someone making his 14th Harpen appearance. He's also lent his voice on many an occasion to the excellent Red Hand podcast. A warm welcome to Mr. Ian Frizzell. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction, Jeff. It's good to be back. Indeed, good to have you, sir. Um, next, taking care of the Connacht side of things, is the host of his own pod, the great master of none, where they discuss many sports, but still with a lot of focus on Irish rugby. Welcome to your seventh Harpen appearance, Mr. Stephen Murphy. Thanks very much. Yeah, seventh appearance. Wow. But yeah, no, good to be back talking about some, uh, good to be talking about some Irish rugby again. Exactly. And last but certainly not least, we have our Munster panelist. He also has his own pod, which he's been doing some great great series in the lead up to the World Cup. He's uh, earning Harpen Cap number five. So hello to Mr. Quaylon Scully. Hello, Jeff. Great to be back on. Good introduction as well. Indeed. Thank you, sir. And of course, you'll find links to all those pods I mentioned in the program notes. Be sure to add them to your feed right away. Right, gents. Like I said, there's no Ireland match this week to harp on. So I'd just like to start by getting your takes on the Italy match from last Saturday. It was our first look at Andy Farrell's squad in action um, in this build-up to the World Cup. There were some interesting selections and uh, finished in an Ireland victory. We'll start with yourself, Ian. What did you make of it all? Hi. Um, first of all, I want to say uh, we should all stop with the Asher, it's only Italy uh, quotes because uh, Italy gave us a good old, old test 
Uh, and at times, certainly in the second half, they did look the better team. Uh, albeit that they'd had a, a, a run out previously uh, against Scotland, and, and obviously that helps. Uh, some of our guys were, were, were still showing a wee bit of rust. But for the most part, I think Andy Farrell would have got out of the game uh, what he wanted. Um, he had thrown in a few uh, combinations there, I think, to just to see how that they would go um, together. I think with the uh, likes of McCarthy and uh, Henderson together, uh, the likes of uh, McCluskey with uh, Henshaw, uh, and uh, obviously trying Jimmy O'Brien at fullback and then bringing uh, young Crawley into uh, number 10 for his second start. Uh, so in the main, most of those things would have gone uh, in uh, Farrell's favour. And I think he would have learned uh, uh, from that and, and uh, he'll take those things forward. Um, I thought the positives from that were that uh, Jimmy O'Brien uh, looked very assured at, at fullback, albeit that he was fielding kicks with, with a fair wee bit of uh, uh, space in front of him uh, to, you know, to run into to either to kick back or or to set up an attack. Uh, Crowley looked very assured, uh, as he has done all season. I think uh, of the guys who went on the emerging tour that none of us wanted at the beginning of the season, he has been uh, a real find out of that uh, and uh, uh, certainly has put himself well into the frame uh, uh, as uh, an alternative uh, 10 to Johnny Sexton. And... Um, the other one I thought um, who, who came out of it uh, very positively was uh, McCarthy at lock. Uh, he's a big, big unit, uh, and he gives you a different. Uh, he gives you a different uh, sort of a feel to Treadwell, who I expect is that you know it's, it's a choice between the two of them as as the fourth lock, and I think uh, probably McCarthy is. Uh, uh, pretty much well in the in the lead of that uh, that little duel. Um, I'm not even sure if Treadwell gets uh, into the squad this coming weekend, but I would expect to see a lot more of McCarthy uh, between now and the end of the World Cup. So um, looking forward to seeing what what what's ahead of us next weekend. But I, I think. Generally, pretty positive uh, out of that game against Italy. Yeah, it was a positive, uh, net, net positive display overall, and it was a, it was a, mm-hmm. you know good 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 start to the series for Ireland. Um, what did you think, Stephen? Yeah, I, look with these warm games, I'm never quite sure what to take from them, uh, just because you know they they don't really have a ton of uh, meaning or context, um, and I, I, I think it must be difficult as well for players who are playing that are on the fringe because. How do you go about impressing Andy Farrell? Do you try and take certain stuff on yourself? Do you try and kind of stand out from from the pack? Or do you go out and follow his instructions to the best of your capabilities and impress him that way? It must be quite difficult for a player like that. You know, obviously from the, from the Connor perspective, Blade coming out at the end, do you try and pick and go as much as you can at the bottom of the rooks? Or do you just play the system that Farrell wants you to play? What's better to get in his attention? You know, it must be very tough subconsciously as well. You're probably minding yourself, no matter as much as no, you know, no matter as much as you want to tell yourself you're not, you don't want to miss that plane trip to France. 
uh, you want to be in that squad. So going in to tackles, I don't know. It, it must be very difficult. Um, I think the biggest use to come out of it is look, it's a blowout. It, it's it's a game after a couple of months off. Uh, you're training as much as you want to be, but there's no substitution for a proper game. Um, and I, I agree with a lot of what Ian said. A couple of players kind of, you know, kind of showed us what we think. Jimmy O'Brien in particular, he's just really, really solid and he's a really, really good player. He can cover three positions. That has to count towards something when it comes to selection. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'll, you know, I, I agree with a, lot, with a lot of what Ian said there and that's kind of what I took from it. It's it's It's... I don't like reading too much into it because at the end of the day, we're not going to remember this game in four months' time, you know? So that's that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, the the, the biggest kind of beneficiaries, I suppose, for a game like this is us. Uh, we're, we're we're dying to see some rugby. Uh, we're dying to have some action to look at. And just, I mean, like, you know, the, the, the lads have been training for weeks leading up to it. So Farris had a good look at them all and he knows kind of the lay of the land as far as uh, who's in form and who's fit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, you want to see them out in the pitch and playing. And, uh, and you, I suppose the other aspect to it is like common talk around all the all the Irish fans is that like you know thirty three spots in the squad like maybe as many twenty nine thirty are pretty much already uh, set in stone, so um, you know if, apart from you know you're 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 praying for no injuries or anything, but if 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 we're lucky enough to get through the next few weeks without them. Um, that there may not be much to play for, but still you get a sense of how the team is playing, how they're setting up and how they're exploring other options. And the ver- I think the biggest key for all the squads in this World Cup is your versatility and not just your, your, your nailed on first 15, but the other players as well, how they can cover cover in different positions and how you're using those options. Jimmy O'Brien was a good example of that. Uh, what did you think, uh, Kaylan? Yeah, again, kind of like what the two lads said, there's not really much you can read into it. I think... I think in all honesty, I think it was a really decent first hit out. Like Ireland looked like a team who, like they came into it saying we did an awful lot of ball work in pre-season. It's easy to look at that and be like, I don't know. You know, you, you never know. It could be just a quote. But then you compare it to, say, England-Wales. It's like, okay, yeah, Ireland didn't make that many hand and errors. You know, I can only remember maybe one or two bad ones. Do you know, And that's kind of the game it was. It was just... Ireland just went out there. They looked like a team who was well drilled for a preseason game, and that's that's what it is essentially. Warm up, summer nation series. It's a preseason game, but a good preseason game by those standards. And I think a lot of players did put their hands up. Stephen alluded to, you know, what do you do? What sort of, you know, what's your plan of action if you come off the bench? But like, I I took look at say the halfbacks. You know, obviously as a Munster fan, I've watched them a lot, but they showed. We know what international rugby is about. We can do this. Caelan Doris showed you could put me at tight head prop and I'd probably still do a job. The locks were fantastic. You know, I've been critical of McCarthy before. I think he's a he's a penalty machine, but himself and Henderson just worked really well together. It was it was brilliant to see. And and no one took themselves off the plane. And that, I think that's important. Be it injuries, be it form, don't take a step backwards. You know, staying stationary is okay. And a, and a lot of players, they did that. They did just that. They just kind of, you know, they just did their job. They did it well. You know, some people go on about one or two missed tackles, but forget about that. Mistakes happen as long as you don't have any howlers. No one did. Very solid performance. And I am I was really happy with that Ireland performance, if I'm being honest. Even not trying to get ahead of myself, you really couldn't ask for much more. 
Absolutely. And um, I suppose I suppose before we move on from this topic, I mean, I'm going to I mean, we, we, we've come on. I mean, I suppose we're harping on rugby. We're more of a Leinster focused podcast the rest of the season, but I've gone for an all provincial panel. So I'm going to put go back around one more time and push you maybe on particular players that um, that 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 you've been you know, that, like you say, you've seen more often. Maybe start with Ian and maybe uh, how did you think Stockdale got on? <laughs> um, I'm not surprised you asked that one. Uh, I thought Stockdale had a, a had a very good sound performance. One tackle yep. aside, uh, it's been well enough documented, so I'm not really going into that. But I like to look at the positives, and there were a lot of positives from Jacob. He's back. Uh, he was back showing the sort of the form, uh, 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 um, fighting a, a, a ability that he has shown previously. Uh, it's been a long comeback for him. Um, since his injury, uh, and uh, I'm sure we all know that uh, it takes time sometimes for these things to come back. Uh, Jacob is a much, uh, a, a very much a confidence player, uh, and I think he'll have taken a lot of confidence from that. Uh, and uh, does he get on the plane? Um, at this stage, probably not. Um, but I, and I don't know if he gets another opportunity. I just I, and it's not down to his ability. I think it's just down to uh, those final couple of spots and whether it's the versatility uh, of of the player um, coming into um, coming into play. Uh, there's another couple of guys there who who can uh, perform uh, pretty well in two or three positions. Jacob has a bit of experience at fullback, albeit um, you know maybe a couple of iffy performances in there, and that'll probably have gone against him a wee bit. Uh, so um, I just think, from from Jacob's point of view, I'm delighted to see that he's you know he's in there, he's back, he's he's fighting, and if he doesn't go, at least we know that we've got um, uh, a, a great option going forward. Absolutely. I mean, just that starting team, you saw uh, Earls and Stockdale on the wings. I mean, that was the throwback to, to the 2018. Oh, and Simon, so, you'd have no problem. You'd have no problem uh, starting uh, either of those um, anytime. It's just the rugby is, it's a cruel sport in the sense that if you get injured at the wrong time, especially when you're, if you're, if you're playing for a nation that's got so many options, there's, there's two or three ready to come in and, and take your place and establish themselves. And uh, it's a long way back, but he's done well to get himself into the squad. And uh, like you say, I mean, like you say, apart from one mm-hmm. tackle, um, there was uh, there, there was a lot of positive, especially in the first half. So it was, it was good to see him. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, we'll go over to yourself. Um, we were talking about the under twenties a lot here in the pod and uh, the name Prendergast came up a lot, um, but uh, we keen a good chance uh to, to, to show what he could do he came on i think it was before half time was it and um and then got a decent shift what did you make of him yeah, look keen is an incredibly talented player um he's still so young he's still so raw he definitely can be i've watched a couple of comic games where he has become a penalty machine referees latch on to that pretty early and he doesn't do much of a great job of you know of uh changing that narrative maybe with the referee but it's because of his eagerness, you know, he loves to try and get in and get over the ball and tackle the ball. Sometimes he just needs, maybe as the years come, go in or go along, he'll pick and choose his moments a bit better, a bit like a Tag Burn does or a bit like a, a Jack Conan does. But look, a Conan, pick up a knock. We don't know when he's back yet. I've heard maybe two or three weeks into the World Cup, he could be out until. Um, so look, a Keane might be, might be brought or maybe not. But 
I think the next World Cup is Kane Prendergast's World Cup. I don't think maybe this World Cup is not not due to a lack of talent, just due to a lack of experience. Perhaps he's also in the position where Ireland are as deep as can be, uh, and that's that's just unfortunate for him. Uh, but being in there, being in around that camp, being around those players, it's only going to be good for his career. Hopefully, only going to be good for his Connor career. Uh, you know, get on to Sam, get him down to the sports ground as well. Why not? Who says no? Uh, let's me maybe Jeff. We can talk about this off the call. Maybe we can do some deals, but we'll talk about it afterwards. But no, Keane's brilliant. But I think uh, you know, twenty twenty seven, we'll see him in his full uh, prime. Absolutely. And um, over to yourself, uh, We t- we talked a lot about um, uh, Crowley last week. So, but we didn't uh, we didn't elaborate. And I, th- I thought Craig Casey had a great uh, great game first half. Those those quick tap penalties and the way he was trying to put the urgency into the game was really good. I mean, it must have been, must have been like you, you've already said, but uh, just talk a little bit more. It was really good to see. Yeah, look, I'm I'm a big fan of Craig Casey, and I could go on for days on about him. But I think what we got last Saturday was kind of Craig Casey light in terms of here's what he can do well. It's not what we're going to see every single game. He didn't have to kick the ball a lot, which is a small bit of a weakness. He wasn't a key voice on the pitch because it was a, an experienced Irish side. You look at Doris, Henderson, Henshaw, all around him. But it was accurate. It was fast. It was, you know, I he's probably the only scrum half I've ever seen be criticised for being too fast and too slow. The reality is he's probably doing something right there, right bang in the middle. Um, And we'll, we'll talk about key positions later and I'll talk about Conor Murray. But I think Casey's accuracy is becoming a point of difference from because he has that whip of a path, he has the speed. But there are very few scrum halves in the Northern Hemisphere who play at that speed and have that accuracy. And that, for me, as a Munster fan, is really exciting. But just watching him this year, he's steadied the ship, he's he's hitting more passes, you know, less of them are going to ground. Like the, the pass to Stockdale that people said, oh, it was never on. He's hit that two or three times for Munster this season at Leaden tries. Like that's that's the kind of confidence that we're talking about. And, you know, that's that's what you need to see. Crowley as well had the same kind of performance. But I think Craig, he just has all that. He has the intangibles. Anyone who's watched Access Monster, he is a leader. He's a natural leader. He trains the house down. Um, And I think we are, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think he's ready to take the number nine jersey very, very soon, to be honest. Maybe not, maybe not this year or next year, but maybe come 2025, for instance. I can even see him on the line store, to be honest. Okay, so um, now it's time for us to move on from that Italy match and maybe start having a look at the rest of Ireland's uh, summer series. We play England uh, next Saturday, then it's over to France, where we play Samoa. Um, Like I said, we had an off week this week. All the other six nations, um, they kind of reversed their matches and uh, had a second go at it this week. We obviously chose with Italy not to do that and uh, take a week off. And... um, well, of course, apart from uh, behind the doors, behind the behind closed doors, uh, rugby, not rugby matches uh, with, with Portugal, however that went. But um, we're, starting with yourself, Steve, uh, what, if anything, can we expect to learn from these remaining warm-up games? Just in the Portugal game, it's so rare that there's no leaks anymore in modern sport. And I've heard nothing, not a thing mm. about that Portugal mm. game. Did it even happen? We don't know. Did you, but did you know Nile Horn was there? Did you know I that? Did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I we did. heard that. I did. And uh, Seems like a nice guy to be fair to Rest of the summer series, uh, Jeff, and I can't stress this enough, stay healthy for the love of God. 
especially the Samoa game. I don't know if we have a D team or an E team. Send our team to Samoa. Uh, the England game should be less bruising. So I think if they have, if they do want to get, you know, a bit of a run to legs and some more senior players or the players that I would classify as, you know, the non-negotiables in terms of if we want to win the World Cup, these guys have to be playing. If you want to give them a run up before the World Cup, do in the England game. And then the Samoa game, you can sort of play. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't want to say the younger lads, but or the lads that were more willing to to lose. But look at the Samoa game. They're they're just so physical and so beefy. I I wouldn't be risking it. Um, play everyone sort of decent minutes over the over the next two games. I think in Ireland we're we're especially the last two managers we've had. You know, given a lot of game time can be five minutes, and like let's be honest, you can't do anything in five minutes. It's just not. It's not doable. It's not fair to the player. We need to give them some substantial time to settle into a game. Um, again, it depends on how much Farrell is actually putting into these these last few games, as in decision making. He may have already met his mind up, but if he hasn't given those lads on the fringe some proper game time, um, and then finally, there's been a good discussion kind of going around on Twitter the last few days of like, you know, do we need to bring three tens? Do we need to bring four centers? Are they actually needed with the likes of some of the players we have that can fill a few of those holes? Uh, and if that's what Farrell is thinking, then maybe play a Crowley at 12 and won these games. Maybe, you know, play Jimmy O'Brien in the centre and won these games. I- I'm not saying you have to do it, but if, if, if Farrell is going down that w- way of thinking, which he might, uh, I don't know if that's the right way or the wrong way to go down. But if he is thinking that, maybe showing that in this England game or Samoa game uh, and at least seeing it once before you travel over to France. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of the selections from the other nations we've seen during the week, there's uh, been a lot of uh, creativity, shall we say, um, in the amount of choices. Like so it's South Africa bringing four scrum halves and uh, um, the Wallabies only having the one uh, recognized out half. But um, it's it, it it does seem, though, I mean, everything I've seen from this Ireland team, it looks like that they've they they've they've had a plan for a while of how they want to go. Obviously, you can only there's only so much you can plan with when it comes to injuries and that. Uh, to key players and 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 such, but they still do seem to think it's methodical and they they have a sense of what they're doing. I understand they're not actually going to name their their thirty three until after the Samoa game, um, so we'll see. You know, what, we, so there's a lot that can happen between now and then. I think maybe this England game, um, we, we you know we we talked about how they how they're set up. We'll talk a bit a bit more about them a bit later. But um, the one thing I will say about them is that however their ability is and you know however well steve bortwick is has settled with them there might be a bit of niggle in this particular game um i mean england ireland have a history in pre-world cups anyway um but uh after the way that grand slam match went i'm just wondering you know they, england might have felt they could have gotten more out of that and uh, they might want to make some kind of if they're going to make a statement this is their chance to do it before the world cup so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there we'll move on to yourself Kyle, and how do you see it going i think I, I do agree with a lot of what Stephen said, but coming into this, I kind of said that you can go two ways. You either go full strength against England and mix it up against Samoa, which after watching the last two England games, I don't know if it's necessary, to be honest. I think you could easily go with, say, just off the top of my head, a back row of O'Mahony, Van der Fleer and, and Gavin Coombs and give and put Caelan Doris on the bench, for instance. You know, and maybe start Treadwell alongside Burn or Ryan and different things like that and then go fringe against Samoa but then at the same time the squad is due to be announced on the Monday so is that painting a poor picture then from a management point of view do you maybe go stronger in that game and you know it's in Bayonne and most people listening to this don't need to be reminded of what happens when Ireland go to Bayonne um, 
albeit the Samoans won't be trying to get suspended like the Bayon players were. But it just depends on which way you want to go. And like, there's a lot of players there that I'd like to see given a chance. Kieran Treadwell has won them. I know Ian's pointed out he could be on the back foot now, but I think he's I think he's quality. I really do. You know, Gavin Coombs, probably the the prime example of third choice in a specialist position is the worst place in the world to be because he's an unbelievable talent, but we've got two unbelievable number eights ahead of him. You know, could Jack Crowley get a go at, at out half, maybe against England? Could, um, say, a Keith Earls get a chance against England? It could be his 100 test. I would absolutely give him a chance there. And there's uh, maybe Matt Hansen at 15, for instance, is Stephen took point to versatility. You know, these are the questions you have to ask. But I think, first and foremost, you, you do try and get the win, of course, the two wins under your belt. But it is about that balance. It's about which way are we going to go with these things. And I, I'd like to see a, a shake-up in selection. Maybe, you know, even, okay, you don't have to start Dan Sheen against England, even though Dan Sheen is the best hooker in the world. Maybe give Rona Keller a shot and so on and so forth and kind of have that idea through the lines. The only worry I'd have is as much as we want to see these younger players or these fringe players get a chance, if you have too many combinations that aren't tried and trusted, you're going to have a very limp performance. We didn't see it the last day, which too, which was really highly to the players' credit, but there is always that risk. So certainly a lot of questions for Andy Farrell and Mike Cat, but they're good questions. And I've said this before about Ireland, that one of the great strengths that they've had, they've had over the last... 12 to 18 months is anytime there's been a question about them it's yeah but this is easily fixable and this is one of them you know like I'd, I'd gladly be sitting here questioning do we go Doris or Coombs or Conan against England rather than going oh god we don't know who's who's the best man up to start so we're we're in a very good position that way get the two wins hopefully get a bit of rotation and hopefully no injuries but players putting their hand up and ho- Hopefully we get to the stage whereby the 28th, I think the squad has been announced, we could be looking at 37, 38 players who are feasibly saying, pick me, pick me. Yep, absolutely. I mean, like I was saying, if if there's, even if there is as many as 28, 29 names already nailed on, um, that still leaves some questions. And you did, you know, whatever they, whatever they do in these two matches, make sure they, they, they get a look and have a good chance to answer those questions if they do nothing else and uh, sort out what they, you know, the, the, the last few decisions they need to make and uh, let, let, let the lads, you know, fight over those uh, places and put the, put their hands up. Like you've said, uh, what do you think, Ian? Uh, I, I think we, um, we're either in a good place or maybe slightly behind the eight ball a wee bit in that uh, our draw for the group stages or the pool stages as, as, as really so favourable that we don't have a tough game until we meet South Africa in the third round. Um, and obviously that uh, came into thinking of uh, how many warm-up games we would have. Uh, and the decision to have three warm-up games, it, it probably, uh, in, in, on one hand, uh, means that the players are not getting overplayed in this, in this period. Uh, and... Uh, you know, thinking back to, uh, you know, last time when we got thrashed by England, you know, we had reached, we nearly hit the bloody wall at that stage through uh, being overexposed. So um, we, we could probably be a bit fresher come September. Um, 
The downside is that we won't be fully up to speed and not everybody will be fully up to speed because you can't give everybody really meaningful game time over over those three games. If you want to find out what your best team is, then I think you have to be looking at your best team at some stage rather than you know two of them in this game and three of them in the next game. I think you want to get them together and I think Certainly, from my point of view, I would be looking at this England game as the one that I want to test my best team on. Uh, Samoa, by the time we get to Samoa, Andy Farrell will have his thirty-three picked. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt. I was actually quite surprised that he, that you know that, that he wasn't going to to, to buy on with thirty-three players. Um, I thought that he would have jettisoned um, you know his nine off the off the squad. Before that, but obviously that's not happening. But um, I, I think so. There's there's lads there that haven't had a game since May, um, and some of them are coming off the back of two losses in their last two games. Um, Ouch! You know, so you know, yeah, I'm laughing, and that's a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. But uh, but all these things have to, you know, you take these in, into consideration. So um, I think we should be going as full strength as possible. Um, I agree with Stephen on uh, meaningful time for your replacements. Uh, and uh, if it's a case of giving two guys a half each, then let's give two guys a half each. Like It was nice to see um, uh, Frawley getting on uh, and actually playing a bit at 10 against Italy. Uh, I've no doubt that uh, Ross Byrne will will either start the game or, or get a half against England. Uh, and I'd like to see Crowley in there again uh, with, with meaningful time. And this, yeah, this sort of giving them the last five minutes, you don't have any opportunity to to uh, to do anything. So uh, for me, it's, uh, it's as full strength as possible. No, no, don't risk anybody who's maybe got carrying a nickel or something. Uh, but certainly everybody who's fit and able to play, then let's go for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a good point you make about the team to put out against England. It's definitely a case to be made because um, I'll be talking about France a bit later. But um, when you look at the team they put out against Scotland, I mean, they could have played that. that that's the team that could play a semifinal or final, that, that team they started with. And, um, uh, th- you know, that is definitely something Ireland may want to look at just to get, even if it's just for the first half an hour, um, just to just to have them, you know, going out and playing together, taking the first, you know, uh, do a couple of exits and just just a few combinations around the pitch and all that kind of stuff and just get them playing. But, um, you know, it's always a, it's a bit of a tightrope you're walking uh, when it comes to injuries. But uh, no, that's uh, definitely not to look forward to um, over, over the coming weeks. And uh, like you say, they've left the naming of the squad uh, uh, very late, mm-hmm. um, but um, but we'll see. We'll just we'll just we'll just see um, how, how that goes. Uh, maybe they're going to put put the other the other guys up in a hotel and be on for the for the whole World Cup. Hey, you never know. You never know. That it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's definitely definitely possible. And of course, we all know uh, people getting phone calls uh, lying on the beach. Uh, and it's happened in the yeah. past, so you know you never you never know what's going to happen. Just make sure it's a beach in France this time, maybe, and uh, so so they're not too far away.
Okay, so uh, before we press on, just a reminder that uh, each week we record a special portion of the pod for our YouTube channel. What I'm doing uh, leading up to the World Cup is asking the lads to go over all of Ireland's options for a particular Irish jersey number. We got one in 10 covered last week, and uh, I can tell you the lads chose three more backline positions to harp on this week. So be sure and check it out on YouTube. And sure, while you're at it, why not like and subscribe as well while you're at it. Okay, for our final portion of this week's pod, I've asked the lads to have a look at some of the other nations at the World Cup and give us a quick summary of how they, they're set up going into the tournament. They've each selected uh, two nations, and sure, I might even chip in with some thoughts on one myself at some point, but why don't we start with yourself, Kaylan? You were going to get things going by harping on England and South Africa. Yeah, so I, it's it's funny, really. Like I think you could laugh and say, oh, Monster Man, Jews, South Africa, la, la, la. No, it's, mm. it's really not that. The, the England and South Africa ones are kind of funny for me because it's England are the team that I love to hate and not rivalry stuff, but just, you know, other stuff I'd harp on in a minute. And South Africa are a team that I hate that I love because they are a bloody good rugby team and they scare the bejesus out of me going into the, into the pool stages. Starting on England, like, I, I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. Like, I said at my own pods before and things like that, like it's not a good state of affairs when the best rugby player that you have does not play in your country because that club folded and he's only gotten better because he's moved to one of the best clubs in the world. Like that's kind of the state that England are in. Eddie Jones' reign fell flat. Um, They became an unwatchable team, an unlikable team. And that's some of that is because of, because of Jones as well. But now you've seen Borthwick in who comes across a bit of a yes man. He comes across as the perfect RFU signing, the lad who's his premiership true and true. He's always been there. He's been in the system. But I don't think that's what England need. It's kind of... Like it, a Gareth Southgate kind of job. Exactly. That, that's yeah. what was coming into my head when I was doing the notes. Like, he's exactly a Southgate. Except the only difference is, I think Southgate's actually a good international coach. You mm. know, I don't know if Borthwick is. I feel like if you're English rugby, you have to look at the Premiership and you have to say there's something seriously wrong here. You know, their top four teams last year, Saracens, completely outplayed by La Rochelle. Sale, beaten by Ulster, beaten by Cardiff, neither of which got, you know, got far at the end of the season last year. Um, Leicester Tigers were demolished by Leinster and Northampton Saints were pretty convincingly beaten by Munster when they were at one of their lower points of the season. But still, England are probably going to walk to a semi-final. That's, that's the reality of it. I said it in my, on my own pod, this draw, like, it's basically Barbie versus Oppenheimer, the two sides of it. Like, that's what we're talking about here. And if England don't get to a semi-final, I'd be shocked. They've only 160 minutes to do it. You know, it beat Argentina. They'll have no problems with Japan. They've gone backwards. They're not as fearsome as they were. And then you've got Wales or Australia or possibly Fiji in a quarterfinal, all of which are beatable. The only thing is, if that's at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night or Sunday night, I think I might hit the bed because they're, they're not a fun team to watch anymore. And listen, sometimes you have to revert to type and that's what they're doing. As for South Africa, I think they're an interesting case. You know, I I spoke with um, Tala Mazutu and Sean Ilford, Tala, who was, who was on your pod over the summer, about their, about their chances and their squad and they didn't know what to make, but no one does. You know, Lou Diager, oh, he's on standby, but apparently he's got, he's after being diagnosed with a heart condition. Like, there's no clarity. There's no idea what's going on, but they're still a bloody good team. 
South Africa always turn up at World Cups. They're one of those, and I, they do scare me, even if I think they could get caught by Scotland. Like, it's an imbalanced squad and all that, but still, they can take anyone on their day. But they could also be eliminated by the pool stages. Um, I, I have to stand up here and I have to say that, you know, the the two lads who've moved to and from Ulster, Kitsoff and Vermeulen, are bloody good players. And the two lads who are going to be playing in red next year, Shantline and Argus Nyman, are bloody good players. But yet there's a lot of people here who think they're takeable. They're really not. Like they're this is a this is a really good South African team. Do I agree with Brian O'Driscoll who said, you know, beating South Africa without the Kanye Ham isn't a true test? No, because the Kanye Ham hasn't been as good of a player in 18 months, two years at this stage. But still, I'd be very, very afraid of them. Um, Jack Nienabar is a good head coach. He's going to Leinster. He will be a good coach there. If you were to put money on it, I'd say South Africa are going to get to a World Cup semi-final. If you are to be bold, you'd say they get out, they'd be knocked out in the pool stages. You don't know what to make them. I think this is what makes Pool B really intriguing is that all three teams could be, all of the three top teams could be knocked out very early on. That's a lot of fun. Not great for our hearts, I won't lie. But it's it's gonna make for a lot of fun. But at the same time, whoever gets out of it, they could be they could be looking at a World Cup, you know? And South Africa, they've never gone back to back. Typically they don't perform at World Cups the year after they won. 2011 out in the quarterfinals, 2003 out in the quarterfinals. If they get out, of the, got knocked out in the quarterfinals this time, it could be to the eventual champions. And I, if if you take nothing else away from my rant for the last few minutes, it's that this is going to be one hell of a World Cup, and this is two sides of the coin that just makes it so intriguing. Absolutely. I mean, um, just just on England. Um, I mean, we we we've been following this day in day out for the past few years and we know what's going on in their game and all the, you know, the, the, the issues at club levels and all that kind of stuff. But when you just take a step back and realize, I mean, this is England, the resources, the player pool, they get to select from the, 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 the possibilities um, from that, that, that they, the, you should expect from a country of that size a rugby playing, not just the, actual population of the country but their player pool and the 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 depth that their game goes you should be expecting more from them it's just it's just the way they've i suppose they've managed it over the years it was a failed business model i suppose for their premiership that's just um it's just not happening for them now and it's it's not gone effect and like you say players going everywhere just the general uncertainty that's got to filter through to the team and um and just the selection of Borthwick. nothing against the guy but um the fact that he led the, the the Tigers to the title last season doesn't necessarily mean he's the right guy to step in, step up to step up to the big job. Um, so there's, there's a lot of questions there. But as you say, they've got a route to the semifinal, and we all know what the if that if that is the way that pans out, and they 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 do win their matches and get to that stage, you can imagine what the English media build up is going to be like up to that stage, and um, and it's going to be a lot a lot of pressure on them. So we'll definitely have to wait and see how that goes. South Africa, Ian pointed out earlier on um, just how supposedly favorable our our fixture list works out. We've got the two matches first 
uh, to build up to, the, to that South Africa match. And then there's a bye week after that as well. So we could put a lot into that game and um, and, and then prepare for the Scots. And and, and it's uh, and like you say, we just don't know. There's a lot of mysteries. Could this, is this five-dimensional chess from Razi? Uh, you just don't know. Um, it's 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 a lot of lot of questions uh, from their team. But that's I think that might be the way they want it um, going into the World Cup, and we'll, we'll we'll see how they play when it starts. Okay, so that's good. So that's that's starting out. I'm just going to um, I've chosen to harp on France for my portion. So I might do that now. Um, I'll just start by focusing on uh, the opening five minutes of the second half of their match against Scotland in San Etienne on Saturday evening. Now they weren't having everything their own way up to that point. They were leading 13, 10 as uh, Finn Russell was making the most of all of his top 14 knowledge to lead the line for the Scots, keeping them close. But right from the restart of that second half, you could see the French always had that other extra gear to go to. Um, we've you've already said on the pod they they picked their their that's a team that could be playing in the semifinal of the World Cup or the final of the World Cup they started with. And um, after this restart, the visitors tried to exit. Schumann just knocked the ball on, and within seconds, Damon Pinot was powering over the line in a typical fashion. And uh, so after the next restart, the Scots tried to clear their lines instead just to change things up. But this time, Ramos chose to take a quick throw. And with, of course, a bit of help from that man, DuPont, it wasn't long before it was Charles Olivon getting the ball down. I mean, there's 14 points just like that. I mean, not only were Scotland defeated at that point, but so was the match ball. That's how that's how big the French the French were at the start of that second half. But I mean, it's true. Like the Scots did come back to level things after all the substitutions had been made in the final corner, and there was a string of late tries, and it got close. But that doesn't take from what we saw from this. We saw this French side do what they can do, and even here they managed to eke out just a late penalty just to get the win. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between France and Ireland at the moment. They're very close to each other. Uh, they have a host of talent in pretty much all positions. Um, much like Ireland, they have a confident style of play that's brought Grand Slam success as well as a victory over the All Blacks. There's one key area, though, uh, they differ from Ireland this World Cup. Remember, at one point, we thought we'd get to host the tournament, but instead it was awarded to France. And ever since, you can see every match they play that they know this is a golden opportunity for them to lift Webb Ellis Cup for the first time. Now, I could talk all day about the DuPonts and the Penos and the Olivons, all the talent they have. But while, of course, every country raises its game when they're playing at home, the French just seem to have that extra, we'll call it je ne sais quoi, when it comes to hosting, um, their footballers did it in 98. The rugby players came within Johnny Wilkinson's boot of getting to a final in 2007. And they'll be extra determined to make this chance count in 2023. The, the, the question for Ireland and the other leading contenders is, can they overcome this obstacle? I mean, can they, can they beat this determination from France or, or maybe even turn it into an advantage somehow? I, I don't know. I just can't wait to find out. But it's, it's that extra, when they're hosting, they've just managed to raise their game somehow. They've got this, I think they'll be the same for the Olympics. You know, they'll be getting a lot more medals at these Olympics than they would have at the previous Olympics. They just managed to, 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 to give that little bit extra when it's a world cup and it's just have to see how the other nations do, um, do, do against them. Okay. So um, that's me on France. We're going to move on to yourself, Ian. You want to talk about Wales and Wales and Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. Before I start on that, just one thing on the England, Um, do the players really look happy? Um, For for me, they don't, it doesn't look like a happy camp. Uh, But anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's for that. I I picked the Wales and Fiji. Uh, and and uh, I'm going to uh, have a wee bit of a discussion on the both. Um, the reason I picked the two of them because they're in they're actually in the same pool. 
uh, and they meet each other on the first weekend of the of of the World Cup, and it's a game that I think could shape that pool very much. Um, Wales at the minute are um, a bit transitional. Uh, there's something obviously uh, a bit wrong when most of your senior players decide at the 11 and 70th hour that uh, we're not going to go. So uh, Gatlin has had to uh, uh, pull out the stops and uh, integrate some some new blood into that squad uh, that he probably hadn't envisaged having to do. Um, and, and saying that, though, um, they still have a core of, of experienced and very capable players. Uh, if you look at them on... Uh, on the weekend there, you had Liam Williams back playing uh, uh, Lions grade rugby at fullback. You had Dan Bigger coming on in the second half and bossing the game for quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, the pack, while they're, they struggled a wee bit um, at, at times against England's pace, they still have uh, those guys in the back row that, that uh, you know, we've been watching for, for a long time, Falatau, Lydiate. Uh, excellent players, and now they're being joined by young uh, Zach Morgan, uh, Wainwright, Tommy Raphael, um, the guy whose name I struggled with, uh, Zinza, I think, uh, and, and the new guy, Plumtree. And all these guys are all like off the, the, the Welsh conveyor belt of really good back row players. And if you have a really good back row, I think, you know, that's that, that and a good, strong half-back pairing uh, and, and you'll always go places. And then you just have to look at the back line that they can put out as the first choice. And you've got Josh Adams on one wing and Reese Samet on the other wing, who are, you know, again, world-class players. Um, what they, where they might struggle a wee bit, I think, is in the centre for creativity. Um, but, um, you know, they'll make up for that with, be, with, with a bit of ba- uh, Bosch and Gatlin ball type rugby. I'm a wee bit... Uh, you know, sort of sceptical of, of what they can do. Uh, and I, I still think that they have the capabilities um, to surprise some people and, and go further in this competition than than, than a lot of people think. Um, on the other hand, I am a committed um, Fiji fan uh, for this World Cup. And, and, and always, I think most of us are. They, they brand the rugby they play, uh, watching them at sevens. Uh, and they just play with such freedom, uh, and a lot of that transports into their uh, 15s uh, game. And I looked at the squad earlier in the week when they when they picked out their squad, and I, I, I really just sort of sat back and said, "Oh, um, there is a lot, a lot of class in there." I'm not going to start trying to pronounce uh, pronounce names, but when you look through now, where where, where the Fijians are and where they're coming from, they're coming from top teams. Having the Fijian Drua in the Super Rugby has been a massive, massive plus for them. They have guys coming off first-class uh, uh, rugby, uh, playing uh, week in, week out now at the very top level of the game. You have um, at least four or five guys in there who would be pushing themselves into a world, uh, you know, a world squad. If you're picking the best teams, the best players from from every team, uh, so they're going to hurt uh, 
people and the best chance for me is the first round against Wales uh, and uh, you know part of me would love to see them win and there's also part of me thinks that they're more than capable of winning uh, they've had three very good results uh, in, in the past uh, few weeks against their uh, their neighbours in the Pacific Islands uh, and they have another couple of tough uh, tough old games coming up they play uh, France away next weekend and then they've a uh, England then uh, the weekend after. Um, from the point of view of being prepared for the World Cup, there's no team going to be better prepared than Fiji. Yep, you're absolutely right on, on Fiji. I t- totally agree on the Fiji and Drew. I mean, we saw the benefits of uh, the Yaguare's team for for the Pumas, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 something that they really need. They they need their own uh, sort of provincial level. Uh, rugby rugby setup and it's been it's been good to see and we we know the way they can play we know what happens if you let them play the way they can play and um and they 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 definitely uh, could make a challenge okay we'll move over to yourself uh steven you you've chosen uh scotland and uh, the all blacks yeah uh just just on england again watch them go and win the world cup now this is the most england thing oh, to yeah. possibly oh, yeah. to go and win this world cup now uh, yeah, I, I've chosen Scotland because I want to I want to compliment them in a lot of ways, and then at the end I will unfortunately probably drag them down a little bit. But I want to start off, but like Scotland really have a tweet the other day. They've raised their floor so so much in, in terms of their talent level, and in these games, like the two France games are the perfect uh, sign of, of of what Scotland can be and what I think they are at the moment. But I really do like feel two years ago Scotland like when they're twenty points down those games they drop the head and they lose by forty. I'm convinced at, at that. But what they have now, they have a bit of extra fight, and that has come by adding some some amazing talent. Um, and none, none other than, like, we have to talk about Finn Russell. Finn Russell is an, an outrageously good rugby player. Um, I feel like he is a misunderstood player. You know, he has he has the reputation of not really caring, but I feel like he does really underneath it all. I feel like his happy-go-lucky personality is... It's probably what a lot of sports psychologists would try and tell your player to do. Like he laughs off bad mistakes, he laughs off bad kicks. I'd probably rather that than you know getting yourself down into into a trench about it. But obviously, it can look a bit different on TV. Um, he took an absolute beating uh, last night against France. Like they went after him and he laid it all on the line. He bounced back up uh, and he gave it his absolute all. Um, and in a lot of ways, they're like Ireland, where Scotland and Ireland will go as far as their ten brings them. Now, Ireland are a lot better in every other department of the field, but at the end of the day, with no sex, and I don't think Ireland's going to go too far, and with no Finn Russell, Scotland aren't going to even trouble getting out of the group. Um, Hogg's retirement earlier in the year was obviously awful, but the silver lining has been Blair Kinghorn. I thought he was absolutely fantastic to fall back. Uh, that is, that's the only real good part of the, of the Stuart Hogg retirement, but he, you know, it's given him more game time, more responsibility. And he was—he's he's outrageously good there. I know he can play at ten, but if 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 they can keep him at fifteen, then I, I I'd absolutely do that. Um, they've added some great talent. Said Kyle Stain was brilliant last night. Tui Pelotu is a huge factor as well of, of the floor being raised. He is world class. Um, Van der Verve is obviously still you know an absolute absolute wrecking ball of a player. In terms of going far in the World Cup, this is where I feel like the compliments will stop. But you've already touched on it, uh, Jeff. They don't have that extra gear that Ireland, South Africa and France have. Um, and when you, when you look at our group in particular, or Ireland and, and, and South Africa, they can't live with our, our South Africa's physicality for 80 minutes. That's just not happened. I don't know really any teams that can. Uh, and they can't live with Ireland's sort of just constant pressure, 
uh, an almost meticulous, like robotic way of playing and, and just kind of constantly knocking on your door. They can live with it for 40, 50 minutes, perhaps, but I think like it was saw the France game, there's just a couple of gears that the best teams can go up to. And I feel like Scotland are already in that fifth gear and hitting the rev limiter a little bit. Um, but like, Scotland in two or three years, that's a whole different potential ball game. Like they, they are they're, they're building something quite nicely there. They've added some nice pieces. Um and if they keep Finn Russell in the form he is, then he is he's a world beater. He really, really is. Um yeah, so that's that kind of sums up Scotland. And then I picked New Zealand because somehow I feel like New Zealand are going slightly under the radar here in terms of media coverage, but I checked online the bookies, they are actually favourites currently for the World Cup. So Obviously, I've uh, not been paying attention to the media properly because they're they're, they're tipped to win it all. But uh, three wins from three in the rugby championship. They have a point differential of 75 points in those three games. Uh, Will Jordan, I think, has 23 tries in 23 games. So looking forward to see how long he can keep that uh, going. Um, I know Ireland have had the better of them the last two or three years. But let's be honest, they weren't World Cup games. It is a different challenge beating New Zealand in the World Cup, uh, which we might have to do. Uh, but you just look at the, the wealth of talent New Zealand have. You know, you, you Richie Mwanga, uh, Bowden Barrett, Jordy Barrett, Rico, and these but these lads were born to play in the biggest stage, uh, and that to them is the World Cup. Uh, and the forwards as well, a forward pack that would love nothing more than to ruin your day. Uh, you know, be cynical, grind you down. You know, one of those really frustrating losses where they get away with seven red penalties, uh, and you, you know you leave the pitch just absolutely hating New Zealand. Um, but I think as well they won't fear anyone. They're not going in there and fearing any particular teams. Um, and what what I think is huge as well, and this is my last point in them, New Zealand aren't going to beat themselves on a certain day. The, 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 you will have to play well and play towards your best to beat New Zealand, regardless of, of, of the stage of the tournament. You're not going to get, like, France are, are incredible at the moment, but you could see France having an off day for some reason. Yeah. Ireland are known for it when it comes to the World Cup. South Africa, as, as Kellen said, we don't really know yet. You could see them having a bad day. New Zealand aren't going to have that day, I don't think. Uh, and that's why they're so hard to beat in these competitions. And I thought they were going inside under radar. I think I'm mistaken on that, but uh, I don't know. Like when, when it comes to Ireland, who would who would you like to face in the, in the quarter cup in the quarterfinals, New Zealand or France? I mean, I don't know. It's like pick your poison, kind of at that stage. But they're 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 going to be very very hard to beat. I could see them going on to win the whole thing. Um, and yeah, they'll be also pretty pretty good to watch when they do it. Absolutely. I mean, I just 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 to I wrote wrote down some notes to just to come back and it's it's just quite simple for Scotland. The theme for from Ireland's point of view, just do not underestimate. Um, we're going to play. We, we, we're building up to that big game against the Springboks. Then we're going to have a week off. Then we have the last match against Scotland, which is going to determine what where we go in the quarterfinals. We just play our own game. We should be we should be okay. Um, but you, you know they do have a lot of threats uh, outside of Russell. I, I totally agree with you. The the, the one big thing about the hog retirement is that there was a bit of a question in Scottish rugby what to do with Blair Kinghorn. He's a great talent. He needs a position where he can settle. So now he has that, and he was like you say he was very good, very assured, very confident uh, against France. And uh, just for New Zealand, uh, I said you know say do not underestimate Scotland. For New Zealand, do not fear. Um, it's uh, we've shown we can do it. Uh, we've shown we can beat them, but France have shown they can do it too. And all the all these teams, we talk up all these uh, other top nations in the world that are all contenders on the on the Oppenheimer side of the draws. Kylan says, um, but um, 
the thing is we're in there with them. It's like they're, 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 they'd all be tough matches, but we've shown that we can, we can, we can beat all of them and that we can do it. So it's nothing to fear. So that's, that's, that's a good summary of the other, the other teams there as well. Well, that's brilliant, Les. We're going to leave it there. Many thanks again for joining me this week. Uh, best of luck with your own pods and recordings coming up. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. So that's it for this week. Next up, we will, of course, be giving Ireland's match against England the full harp and treatment with the preview pod on Friday, regular social media coverage throughout the match, and finally, our rap pod recording on Sunday. As ever, be sure to keep in touch with all the usual social media channels. The links are in the program notes. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Salon. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.